Okay, so in today's episode, I've invited back Hoddy Damastani and Mark Cobbs, who have been two previous guests that I've interviewed on the show. And the topic of today's discussion is goal setting. Now, it's my intention, or it was my intention when I went through this, to come up with some agreements that we all have around the goal setting arena. And throughout the podcast, you'll hear me um, obviously going into detail and depth with both of them, but then bring it back around saying, okay, so we all agree on this topic. So when you hear me say that, these are the bits that are really the gold that are the biggest takeaways. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Okay, so we're live. First of all, welcome Mark and Hoddy. Hi, Gary. Hi, Gary. Nice to see you again. Yeah, you guys too. So uh, welcome back to the show, because obviously you've both done a podcast episode with me. So uh, excited about having you both on today. So yeah, just thought I'd start, uh, obviously this this episode's about goal setting. So I just thought I'd start, um, first of all, with you, Mark, with what is your personal view on goal setting? What does it mean to you? Well, that's an interesting question to kick off with. Um, The word goal setting for me personally you know I've always tried to set goals for myself um, and part of my business is having you know setting goals for others but the word goal setting I think is an umbrella term Um, first of all it's an action verb Um, goal setting the setting of goals it's not completed and what I'm trying to say to that for me I think there's a whole backstory to goal setting before we get to the verb goal setting and then there's the post analysis of after you have set the goals so it's an umbrella term and there are many layers to that. Um, very briefly, yeah, I think we all need to have goals uh, to reach uh, in our lives as individuals. Yeah, I like that. And I think that would be a good place to start once we've uh, got the plans of Holly about actually what to do before you even set your goals, because that's a super interesting topic. And how about yourself, Hodds? What's your uh, what's your view? Um, well, my personal view is that, yes, goals are important. And for me, having always been more purpose-driven, that actually, you know, goals do provide you purpose and structure in your life, in, in my life, certainly. But I do think there are potential disadvantages to setting goals as well, um, particularly when you invest all of your self-worth into a particular goal. Um, and also this idea that actually um, there are a number of things you can't control when it comes to your goals. So you can set a goal and with the best intention in the world, there are things outside of your control that stop you from achieving that goal. So it's recognizing, you know, what can you do that's inside your control? What can you do that's outside your control? But nevertheless, I think all in all, yes, goals are important. They provide structure and purpose for me and for other people. But I do think there's some potential dark dark side, if you like, of goal setting, which uh, maybe we'll, we'll speak about. 100%. Uh, I've definitely felt exactly what you just said. When you're purpose-driven, uh, which I I think I can say all three of us are around the table. You're always going to be prone to kind of setting maybe too many goals or being too emotionally um, reliant upon the achievement of the goal. So you're going to set yourself up for some for some issues, mm-hmm. which again I think actually kind of links in with what Mark was saying about the areas before you even goal set. So I just want to delve into that actually. So either of you feel free to just offer your opinions here. So obviously, um, you know, you want to develop your life in my experience goal setting is ultra important if you want to change any area of your life you have to kind of know where you're going but I just want to know your thoughts on you know why is it through insecurity that we're setting our goals you know why is it that um, some of us for example want to have 10% body fat and some of us want to earn millions of pounds no I, I would disagree with that I don't think it's a question of insecure insecurity um, you know I, I actually think that's a that's an easy throwaway line 
you, you know, what you're saying, Gary, is uh, or suggesting is that we set goals because we're insecure. I don't agree with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the word ambition, um, ambition or aspiration. Um, people want to aspire to things. We're, we're human beings. It's a natural phenomenon. Um, therefore, in order to have ambition to to aspire to something, there have to be small steps. Those small steps become larger steps, and therefore goals, if you like, are, are set for us to achieve this. So sometimes goals are an extremely good way for extremely confident people to restrain themselves. In other words, sometimes confidence can transform or transcend into arrogance. A very confident person, an extrovert person, there's nothing wrong with that, um, can actually keep him or herself in check by having goals. Without those goals, um, they are subject to being viewed or perceived as arrogant. So it's, it's an interesting point. Uh, I actually did a podcast a couple of episodes again about the difference between insecure goals and contentment goals. And I think you've just touched upon the, the similar ideas that I have on it. But I, I think there's, with what you've said, I think there's, there's a slight, uh, I have a slight disagreement with that because actually um, the level of which you set your goal, uh, in my experience, is linked to your level of insecurity. So, you know, if you're going to set a realistic goal or, okay, say for example, you're 25% body fat, and you want to get down to 23% body fat, you could say, okay, that's an attainable and a realistic goal. But if, you, if you're 25% body fat and you've got, you're insecure about your weight, a lot of people would set a goal, oh, I want to get down to 10%. And for me, that's driven by insecurity. That's not driven by aspiration. That's, See, I, I, mean, I would I mean, use a different term there. See, I, yeah. I think I look at it quite straightforward as actually, you know, we set goals with the expectation that those goals will make us happier. Yet we know from the scientific evidence, looking at emotional well-being, that actually changing your circumstances may increase your happiness by maybe 10%, whereas changing your attitude and your thinking style and how you spend your time yep. is more likely to make you happier. Sorry, that, that's an interesting point. So what you're saying is that... We set goals a lot, with an expectation of being happier, whereas a lot of the time that, that doesn't always transpire. And a lot of the literature that I've read on goal setting says exactly that. You're not happy with where you are. You need to set goals, and they say spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, financial... And really what you're saying is that that's been proven. Well, the goals are very much focused on changing your circumstances, yet the scientific evidence suggests that changing your circumstances is not actually going to increase your emotional well-being as much as you think. We're not very good predictors of what actually makes us happier. So that's interesting. So for example, then, if if that's only going to change 10%, what's, you know, that's a very small change. So just going off topic here. If you're not going to set goals to change your life, what, what can you do? Or could you well, set you can, goals? You can set goals, but your goals maybe should be around looking at the attitudes and the lenses through which you look at the world. So by looking at attitudes, thinking styles, how you view the world and how you spend your time might be a better place to invest your time and energy rather than goals being very much on changing your circumstances instead. Very often goals are set, um, in my experience, um, you know, people I've met over the, you know, throughout the world, based on their perception of other people. So when, you know, it, it goes back down to advertising. When an overweight person sees a very slim person on the television uh, promoting a particular thing, I want to be like that person. Um, unfortunately, that isn't the way. And as uh, as Hoddy said, being like somebody else, perceiving that that person is, is in a better, happier state than you, 
doesn't necessarily exactly, come exactly. back down exactly. to you. Yeah. And 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 I'm not sure of the actual term, Hoddy. Uh, social influence? No, social. I think it's social influence mm -hmm. is a big factor in goal setting. Absolutely. Because we yeah. set goals, and actually they're not your goals; they're yeah. somebody else's. Yeah. And the expectation is, well, they look so happy, therefore, if I follow that path, I'll look so happy, but that yeah. I'll be so happy, but that's not always the case. And going back to what you said yeah. about insecurity, not so much insecurity, Mark mentioned confidence. Well, you know, setting challenging goals is all very well, but you need to have self-efficacy in order to protect yourself. Yeah, so I, I, so yeah, I want to delve into self-efficacy yeah. in, in a little bit. Sure. I just wanted to touch upon what you both just said, because it's interesting. So recently I had an experience where I um, looked back at my goals from five years ago and I'd attained all of them. And interesting, looking back on what's actually made my life different. And it wasn't the attainment of the goals at all. I think what's interesting is that my life, even though I've achieved them, is very similar. The only thing that's changed is my thought processes and the way that I look at the world. Exactly, which is consistent with what I said. Yeah, yeah which, is, which is super interesting. But my point is then, is in which case then, if that is, if you can change the lens in which you view the world, what would be any point in setting any goals whatsoever if you could just take more of a, say, Buddhist approach where you are looking at the world differently, where you're not setting any goals? Because when you set goals, what you're really saying is you're not happy where you are. But setting goals related to changing your attitude is still goals, isn't it? Yeah, to, so what would be, a, what would be an, an example of a goal to change your attitude? Well, I guess choosing some sort of attitude or moral quality that you might want to focus on to be to be more kind or to be more accepting or to or to be more optimistic or to yeah. be more grateful. These are all attitudinal goals, um, and they're within your control entirely. Whereas any goal you set yourself externally, there's always going to be an element of of luck and things you can't yeah. control as well. Okay, that makes sense. So you're. Um yeah, that does make sense. So you see, for me, yeah. um, just expanding on um, Holly's point, that in its simplistic form, you talked about, you know, how do we change our attitude to set goals to improve ourselves or something like that. Yeah. A simple change of your routine can inspire you to change your attitude. So in its very basic form, if you get a number six bus every morning at five past eight to go to work, and you've done that for years. Get the number one boss, uh, one bus, at sort of ten past eight. That change suddenly—it's a very small change, but that may change your attitude towards the bigger things in your life. And suddenly, yeah. the goal setting comes in. It's a very—I'm being very well. I, I, I basic get, here. Yeah, I get you because it's the same as when you read a new book or when you go and travel to a new country. Mm. You're basically doing something different that, that splits up your routine and and also it's underpinned yeah. by the science as well. This idea that actually you know changing your behavioural patterns rather than focusing on cognitions is actually really important as well. Mm. So if we look at motivation generally, there are two ways you can you can motivate yourself. You can look at cognitive factors, so changing your attitude, the way you look at the world, but you can also change your environment and change your behaviour, and both of them are important. And there's always this ongoing debate in the behaviour change world as to which is more important cognitive or behavioural goals and you don't need to set up that dichotomy they're, they're both important but what's interesting here Hoddy for me on the word the big M word is motivation and that's another uh, whole science and a whole uh, perhaps another podcast on it but it is related to goal setting Absolutely, it's the yeah. chicken and egg isn't it um, my question or my, my throwing out my, my thoughts is are you motivated before you do something or does the motivation come after something has started to change for you? 
that now that's an open statement. Yeah. Well, I, I think um, there's two different types of motivation. There's the initial motivation to get you started, and then the motivation to keep that going. Um, with with any behaviour, you've got the initial behaviour to the initial inertia. To, to start whatever that new habit mm. may be, if it's mm. an ongoing habit, mm. and then the motivation to keep going. So there's almost sort of two separate types mm. of motivation, if you like. No, so, I totally so, agree. so I think obviously the initial motivator is the thing that most people would assimilate to motivation. Okay, you listen to a motivational song, you're up for it, you go to the gym, you train. The, the second impetus, type yeah. of motivation, which is the, the longer term Maintaining one. Maintaining the, the new habit. But, but for me, the motivation, yeah. I, I think that's a secondary, the, the song in a gym, you've got to get out of your front door and go to the gym. No, no, that, so, that's... So, so there's, yeah, there's motivation the, behind the, that. Yeah, so what I was, the reason I was alluding to this is because I'm differentiating between short-term goals and long-term goals. So short-term goals, very easy to make a short-term goal of going to the gym today. If you're not up for it, put some music on, get motivated and go. But are you going to do that for six months? My, my question was, how? what's the differentiator? How do you keep yourself motivated for a longer period of time? Is there... Well, I think it, that comes down to habits and routines very much so, as, as okay. Mark said. But also, it's the type of behaviour. Is it a one-off behaviour that you're looking to motivate? Is it a one-off event? Or is it an ongoing well, habit so say for behaviour? Example, so it's, it's, it's the it's, nature of the change. Yeah, but say, for example, it's going, going to the gym. Okay, so you go to the gym once a week at the moment, and, mm -hmm. and over time, you'd like to get it up to three. So the first week, you're up for it. You train three times. But then, you're aching, you're a bit sore, you haven't quite got the energy. You'd have to change your diet to carry on going. So you come across obstacles, right? And I'm assuming... That's part of the difficulty with longer term goals is mm -hmm. the obstacles that you mm -hmm. come across. So um, um, for me personally, I would set things up so that I know what my issues are and how I'm going to overcome them in advance. But are there any other ways for longer term goals to actually keep to something? And maybe I'm not even talking about three, six, I'm talking about well, years, Again, two from years, my experience years. and the, the, the science behind it as well, other behavioral elements tend to be more important in the keeping it going part. So as Mark said, routines, rituals, scheduling your diary, that kind of thing to sort of keep it going longer term. I mean, for me, um, the motivation, I mean, your example of a gym, um, it's a very basic numbers game. Um, you know, and this is all about, this comes back down to short-term and long-term goals. Um, if you say, okay, I'm going to go to the gym, you've had previous motivation or inspiration and you go to the gym, I'm going there twice this week. And, you know, you need to go there twice a week for the next month. That's a short-term goal. You've achieved it. It's attainable, okay? The following week, uh, your, your medium-term goal is I'm going to go three times a week, et cetera, et cetera. And then eventually you start going four or five times a week and you see the change in your body, your behavior, your personality, you're happier, the endorphins are flowing, X, Y, Z. Yeah. But, but one of the reasons why people do not actually attain the longer term goal or keep going is because they reach, they, they have lost what is called, the term is called optimal difficulty. They start doing things that is within their comfort zone. And therefore, the gym becomes boring. The motivation that you initially had is because you are doing things that are right up there against your comfort zone. You may succeed, you may fail. Very often when we do things for a longer period of time, and, and I'm sure everybody will understand this, you get bored with your job. You know it so well, there's nothing challenging anymore. And we stop reaching what is called optimal difficulty, which is right on the cusp of failing or succeeding. And that is a big factor in people not attaining long-term goals. They get comfortable, they do it, it's great, and then they're happy with being able to do it every week. After a period of time, it becomes boring. 
so how, motivation. So, so how have you? So how have you managed to overcome that yourself? Then that that issue? Because I always, as a sportsman, or you know, as a, as a professional sportsman, which I was many years ago, always needed to attain optical optimal difficulty to get the work that I desired. So you always so you, I, you I, I was in a, I was in a very uh, high level area of entertainment where I needed to be one of the best of the best. So you made it you made it outside so basically you made it so that you had to live up to the weight of expectations because it, but but for someone else who didn't have that it's not their profession and they want to go to the gym how 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 could they do that? I mean is there do you have another example of an area of your life where it wasn't your profession where you've managed to stick to something for a longer period of time? I mean I know that you like writing for example. Yeah, I mean okay, I mean very simply I mean you know, it's all about what you need in your life and, and what you want. So um, if you like, when I started writing, uh, you know, professionally, I knew I needed uh, some more background behind me. So in, in my early 30s, I went back to university and got a degree. Now, you know, it's something I had to do. And it was one of my goals, which was just short term goal to enable me to go forward in the world. Mm. But that was something that I ha had a specific goal. Yeah. It was specific, I could attain it. With a Believe me, going, yeah. back to, going back to school in my 30s was not an easy thing and it was right on the cusp of my, um, you know, it was optim optimal difficulty is yeah. the term. But that was me personally. You know, if you're talking about other people, this is where people like Hoddy, yourself, Gary and myself, sometimes you need to share these issues yeah, well, with that's, people that's exactly and what there are people doing, out yeah. there who are professionally equipped to help you just over the to that next Definitely. step so, I, yeah, I, think, I was i was going to yeah i was going to talk sorry. about mentors actually later on but actually, the, another yeah. distinction yeah. that i want to make particularly when it comes to exercise because it's an area that i've lectured at university for quite a while yeah. is this distinction between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation yeah so it's this idea that actually when you start exercising you're starting that for extrinsic reasons okay i, I want to lose weight i want to get fitter okay. intrinsic motivation is when you you choose to do something because it's enjoyable because it's meaningful because it's purposeful and actually that that isn't the case for most people that exercise. But for it, most people that yeah. exercise, they're doing it for the end result. But if it's not enjoyable, and if it's not meaningful, they're not going to continue, as Mark said. So you see, so the that would be a better way of looking at your goals to actually make it as intrinsic rather the, than extrinsic. Yeah, well, certainly the evidence suggests that yeah. if goals are, if you're intrinsically motivated, if you show intrinsic forms of motivation, yeah. that is correlated to adherence, whereas extrinsic motivation isn't. In other words, if That's you're forcing big, yourself to yeah. do something or you're doing something because you feel you should have to, yeah. then you're not going to stick. Whereas if you enjoy it, then you will. That is a big, a big point. I mean, that's, that's not something that we should take lightly. I'm completely in agreement with that because in, in my life, typically if I'm enjoying something, I'll stick to it, especially training. You know, you get into the habit of training at the gym and you're finding yourself not enjoying it anymore. So you mix it up. I start playing squash now because I enjoy playing squash. It's like if you have an exercise that you enjoy doing, it's no longer difficult to. I mean, without going to too far down the exercise route, the only yeah. problem with that is there's always going to be some people that don't enjoy exercise. That's just yeah, the way course. it is. However, yeah, yeah. if it's if something's if something's yeah. meaningful, then you'll still carry on. So if, if something's not enjoyable, not meaningful, you're not going to do it. Yeah. If it's not enjoyable but it's meaningful, then it, you're, you still so the, might keep it going. So these are two big big um, things. So enjoyable and meaningful, mm -hmm. they're the two big things that would make you more likely to stick to your goal. And, Absolutely. and that for, for you personally though, Holly, 
Is, yeah. this, is this for you personally? So in, your, yeah. so in yeah. your life, yeah. the stuff that you've stuck to, if you look back on, on your career, See, your life, has it always been enjoyable and meaningful? Meaning has always trumped enjoyment for me. And that, that has that sometimes been, if I'm honest, that's sometimes been at the expense of my own personal overall happiness. So I've always been much more driven by purpose and meaning Whereas, you know, I don't always allow enough time for, for enjoyment. So the goals that I set are meaningful. Yeah. I've exercised regularly for for sort of 25 years. It's something that I do automatically now. It's a habit and a routine I just do. There's no conscious thought process. I just do it. Do I enjoy doing it? Not always. But it's it's a meaningful habit that okay. I've stuck with because it's autonomous now. So what you so what you, again, we're moving on a little bit further. So what, what you're saying with... From my understanding with with goal setting is that ideally if you want a longer term to achieve something longer term ideally you need to make it habitual because at that stage you're not thinking about it yes so and there's evidence that that needs to happen scientifically that actually habits yes um, okay. that habit replaces intention over a period of time mm. through repetition i i, yeah, I, I was going to say mark i, I totally agree yeah i mean over a longer period of time to counter if you like the boredom or the uh, the, the 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 routine of trying to attain your goals. If there are little habits that um, you do before you try and attain the goal, whatever that is, then that is a signal for you to then keep moving forward. Um, an example again is, is, is sport. Um, professional sportsmen have their what are called idiosyncrasies before they play a big game. They put their left boot on uh, instead of their right boot, and it's a very basic I thing. I help people develop these, Mark, pre-performance routines. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've gone into that big yeah. time. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, when they put that left boot on, they may not be feeling up for this game. They may not, they've got the, They've got problems. We're human beings. They're not ready. They're not fit. They're whatever. But putting that left boot on signals, okay, that routine signals the next step, which is attaining the goal, getting ready the key word is peak performance Absolutely. but that's another level yeah that we can and talk the other thing that. it does as no, well i'd, I'd like it, to i'd like to delve into this i think we, um, because we, we, yeah. we should carry on with this well the, the other thing that it, it does but that, this isn't just sport this is also on a corporate yeah, level is, this, as well but this, yeah. this is interesting but i want to get the other thing it does it. is it, it when you're focusing on that routine your attentional focus is very much focused on that routine so the negative thoughts Correct. the self-doubts um, those are not interfering either. Correct. So that, so from from a again from a scientific point of view, it's it's an attentional focus device. It's, in its basic form, it's the doorway to the zone. So whatever zone that is, yeah. and putting that left boot on, suddenly you're opening the door into another bubble. But if you didn't put that left boot on, the the other side of it is if something disrupted that routine, then your performance, whatever that is would not come across. So yeah. that's a psychological thing that you would know more than yeah. me. You know, you can get caught in the trap of that. You can, yeah. In other words, external factors mean that your left boot is not there. Yes. Does that mean you collapse, you can't perform? Of course exactly. not. But that's much more of a psychological yeah. thing. So developing a routine that is within your control, that you're you're doing something with your body and you're visualizing would be, well, well, you're not reliant on a boot or something. There's the other word, visualization. I yeah. mean, that, that's yeah, another topic. Which yeah. all, it's, it's all, all relevant and yeah. it's all connected. So what, sorry, just bringing this back to goal setting. So, so what I took from what both of you are saying is having some kind of pre-performance routine where you have your in, you're basically putting your intent out there so when you put your boot on it's your intent to go out there and, and to yeah but that, that, that intent has been developed over many years or many okay. weeks it's it's a very small habit yeah but it, it initiates action okay 
So on this then, so would it be fair to say that we're in agreement that if you're trying to create a longer term goal, which is a new habit, that's setting up some kind of pre-performance routine to get you in the zone before you create that habit would be beneficial. I, I, I believe so. It, it, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's I'm something that needs to be... Well. It, I think it, it, it triggers, something, triggers that habit, doesn't it? It's uh, something yeah. that needs to be um, spoken about and taught and coached, if you like. It's not something that the, the man in the street, the woman in the street would automatically think of. This is, you know, you've got a cumulative... Uh, what have we got? 40 years between us of experience. So, you know, you can't well, think, say to the man yeah. listening or the woman listening to this podcast... You know, oh, I will do that. It needs to be explained where, why this is so important. Well, I think, well, we've got three of us around, around the table now. Why, why don't we, all of us, say a pre-performance routine that works for us? What is something that we all do or individually do? It can be any task that works for you. Have you got something that is a pre-performance routine before you say go and lecture, before you speak, that, that is guaranteed to get you into that zone? I, I haven't so much these days, if I'm being honest. I, it's I, I think because it's habitual. Yeah. I think one of the things that that I want to do with my own career is, you know, I've got some sort of plans and I've taken a slight change of direction. Is uh, you know, is maybe by going outside of my comfort zone and doing things that are slightly different, then pre-performance routines would be useful. I've used them in the past, but I think now because I've done most of the things for so many years and there isn't a huge amount of change in my sort of regular routine yep. and I'm not having to initiate new behaviours and new actions very often now that, that I don't personally use them as much was, but I do help yeah, other people was, develop them. But was there one when you were first starting out was there something before you spoke that you would do as to, to get yeah, you Yeah there was so I guess there was you, you know so there would be something I would do with my body so I, I'd take a couple of deep breaths first okay. of all so um, breathing diaphragmatic breathing which we before. discussed yeah um, and then reminding myself of something that I've achieved in the past, something that was particularly challenging, or a situation maybe that where I'd overcome a particular challenge. It's almost like, you know, well, if I did this and I achieved this, then I can do this too. And then... So when you're... Action. So I understand the diaphragmatic breathing and doing something with your body can get you in state. When you're thinking about your previous achievement, mm -hmm. are you also bringing up the emotions attached with it? Yeah. Well, that's where the, the visualisation, the, yes. the mental imagery So this is kind of... It. This is... I mean, my idea of visualisation is obviously slightly different, but it, it is kind of a visualisation, right? But you're not visualising delivering what you're about to. You're bringing up times from the past where you have felt good about you yourself. You need to connect with that experience, but you also, from my experience, you need to have a mental image of yourself performing performing well in that situation. Although, again, I won't go too far down this no, road. No, no, let's, let's, let's okay. go, let's go, because right, so it's for interesting. For me, men, mental imagery and using it in a way where you're imagining everything going perfectly and imagining you know, your ideal body, your ideal performance. So the ideal that's goal. All, that's all very well, but, okay. but what's far more valuable from that, from my experience, is seeing yourself overcoming a challenge in order to achieve that goal. Because there's gonna be setbacks, there's gonna be obstacles, that's in inevitable. And if all you're doing is positive thinking, positive visualization, yep. then it's not preparing you for the fact that you might get knockbacks. It's not developing resilience and mental toughness, yep. that actually sometimes you're gonna face obstacles. So one of the um, mental imagery exercises I do with my clients is to see themselves not just achieving their goal, but to see themselves facing some sort of challenge and overcoming that challenge and 
moving towards where they want to go regardless. So for example, being that you know, you're trying to lose a few pounds of, of body fat and there's a Friday night, there's a barbecue and people are gonna have a few drinks. So you can think about that in advance. How can I handle this situation? Rather than just visualizing yourself being thinner, you could say, okay, I'll turn up a bit later so that I'm not eating as much food. I'm not going to drink alcohol. These are the kind of things yeah, to- Yeah, visualize yourself in a situation of temptation and yep. taking the right choice. Okay. But also, it's actually quite useful to visualize yourself occasionally making a mistake, but forgiving yourself and bouncing yeah. back from that. I was, I was going to talk about So actually, I get my clients yeah. to visualize themselves. Actually, you know what? Sometimes you're going to take the pizza choice. That's life. Everybody's going to do that sometime. And, and so you should. You do that, yeah. <laughs> when you do that, forgive yourself, yeah. visualize, accept that will happen, forgive yourself and move on from that see I'd like to I'd like to expand on that with a with a slightly um, opposite view I, I totally understand and um, you know agree with what we're talking about but I I want to talk about physical visualization visualization isn't just in the mind yeah, visualization comes from the word eyes right you see things so if you want to go to the gym um, the visualization to inspire you, to motivate you, to, 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 to achieve your goals is to have that piece of clothing visually in front of you in the morning. In other words, you visually see something. Hmm. Um, one of the things that I have done in the past is I have played back, before I had to go onto a big presentation, I've played back recordings of myself achieving an exceptionally good performance and making mistakes and i watch it i visualize it physically uh, or optically before i then move on so uh, in other words there are many instances where the human being on their mirror at home will put the the uh, the perfect man's figure or the perfect woman's figure that in itself visually looking at that yeah. in the morning will allow them to try and visualize themselves achieving that. Mm. So I'm using the balance yeah, of the, mentally visualization yeah, yeah. with the physical visualization I of something. I would just, for me, I would just label that differently. I would they're call that an environmental prompt yeah. and a nudge, but they're still just as important, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so yeah. what you I see in your mind, well. but also, yeah. again, it's, it's something that initiates that motivation. It's, yes. it's an environmental prompt. The same way you put your gym kit by the door yes. as soon as you come home okay. from work, you yes. see that. Yes. So we, we've got an example of this here. So in front of where we're all sat, there's Albrecht Dürer's Praying Hands, which is a story about gratitude and I have it where I work because it reminds me to be grateful in my life. So that's more of exactly. a, a visual reminder or a nudge to remind myself to be that way. So Mark, your car, so things that you've done in the past then, pre-performances, to physically watch yourself performing and making mistakes. I, ha I have used that technique. Okay, and that is something- I wouldn't say that's something that's got ingrained in my habit. And, but that's something that worked for you. It worked for me. Okay. Um, you know, uh, uh, the, the opposite side of that is that before any uh, performance or presentation or something that that, that is, um, you know, quite intense, um, I need 30 seconds to one minute of peace. Now, that means going away from everybody. And whatever I do, I can't, I can't give you a, a, an absolute an analysis of it, but I don't have anybody around me whatsoever for 30 okay. seconds. And then I move right. into that. Now, that's, that's what I do today. So coming here today, this, I wouldn't call this an intense performance, but I had a walk along here. I didn't speak to anybody. I didn't want to speak to anybody. And that was a little something 
even though it's a walk along to you, Gary, yeah. that was actually part of my pre-readiness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really readiness. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, what, what that comes down to from a sports psychology perspective is this idea of knowing your optimal arousal levels. So mm. it's this idea that actually your personality comes into this. Yeah, so yeah, some people, course. you know, you look at 200 meter sprinters and one of them like Maurice Green will be pacing around like a sort of wild yeah. animal and then you'll get somebody like Linford Christie who will be completely calm mm. and still. So you've got to know what kind of works for you. You've got to know your optimal arousal levels. So if you're, you're somebody who needs to get up for a performance, then you'll need to increase your arousal level if you're somebody like Mark who, mm. who's maybe quite up generally anyway and maybe yeah. quite extroverted anyway mm. you know the, then you want to reduce that mm. so you feel relaxed so your natural personality comes into that as well yeah 100% and it also but it comes to a word that you mentioned a little bit earlier um, about self-efficacy that is an important point here because when you're about to go to the gym when you're going to go on to a crowd you know with 50,000 audience whatever you're doing you've got to have do you have high self-efficacy for that moment or is it low Absolutely. and therefore you should be able to adjust yourself according to Absolutely. what you are but yeah. of yeah. course that's awareness that's awareness of yourself exactly which again yeah. is another layer of psychology Absolutely. and the like, other element where self-efficacy is really really useful I was, I was as well gonna, sorry yeah i was going to say let's come back to self-efficacy because okay. it's clearly a big topic i wanted to just finish off discussing visualizations uh, just to talk about them specifically in different ways in which we can do them um, because the way I do it's quite different to I think what most people do I used to do the stereotypical visualize myself standing up presenting in front of loads of people and I would have myself on the lens presenting right it'd be from me looking out to everyone else I decided to try a different visualization once which is now the way I always visualize which is I visualize being sat in the audience as I'm presenting and I visualize myself being emotionally moved by how I'm presenting. And what I found is that by doing it that way, the lens is off me and the lens is more on the audience. And what that allowed me to do is to take all the pressure off myself before I present. And actually that pre-performance routine or visualization completely eradicated all of my anxiety based on performing. So the idea of pre-performance routines is massive. And like you both say, that's habitual now. So I don't actually have to physically go and do that visualization. If I've got something coming up and I'm a little bit anxious, I'll do it. And I know that that will remedy the, the issue straight mm -hmm. away. So I guess this isn't just linked to um, goal setting in general. It could be any situation. Well, what you're you, talking about there is a difference between associative imagery and disassociative imagery. Okay. So, you know, what you're doing is you're disassociating yourself to a certain extent. Um, and that works for you because if you fully associated, associated yep. then your arousal levels would be sort of unmanageable for That's you. That's exactly But that. But what happens yeah. is if, if you... If you're there looking outwards, yep. you're associating, then you are fully immersed in that experience, which generally speaking is gonna be more intense and more powerful, yep. providing your arousal level is at the level you want it to be. Yeah, well, my arousal levels generally is quite, yeah. quite high anyway. Yeah. So for me, so taking for you, the pressure that off because myself. you know your personality, you know what you ah, that's need. Interesting, and that's interesting. As Mark said, most people don't have that level of self-awareness. Yeah, so for other people then that are, you know, because obviously I'm very energetic generally, for other people that are quite, less less energy levels on a day-to-day -day basis fully immersing themselves in a visualization would be better for them because they need to bring their arousal levels exactly. up to their performance yeah. level whereas for me when i present i need to bring my arousal levels down <laughs> as, as not right. as yeah yeah ah, that's that's good so are we are we all in agreement about that area of the pre-performance routines are uh, important in creating habits towards longer term goals uh, for me it's vital 
Yeah, okay, absolutely. So that's that's yeah, that's perfect. Okay, so we can move on to self-efficacy because I think that's definitely another area that you both are passionate about. I was interrupting you before. That's you okay. were so self-efficacy is also. Do you, do you want me to define self-efficacy? Yeah, okay, if you so could. Yeah, yeah. Self-efficacy yeah. is is one way of looking at it is a situation-specific form of confidence. The textbook definition is your belief in your ability to execute a very specific outcome despite the obstacles that may present themselves. Now, the reason self-efficacy is important in habit formation is when you are in a high-risk situation of relapsing, okay? So it's a relapse prevention tool. So when you're in a high-risk situation, whether that be I'm at the party and I'm surrounded by loads of food and I'm on a diet, whatever it may be, or um, I'm about to present in front of a few hundred people, um, do you have self-efficacy so that if there is some kind of challenge, are you able to cope with that challenge? So it's a coping strategy. Okay. okay. So and again, if, if you be, develop yeah. coping strategies in advance, then actually, so I know when I go to this party yeah. that I'm going to make the right choice and avoid temptation. And I know that if I go down a certain path and I might lose my train of thought for a moment, then I would think of this or do this and then I will get back on, on, on so, track again. So the self-efficacy prevention tools are either physical or mental? Sorry, sorry, the uh, relapse prevention tools are either physical or mental. So in advance, you think I'll either walk away uh, with my body or I'll think in this way to prevent myself from doing it. Yeah, you, ne you need to develop some kind of coping strategy. Okay. Um, and that coping strategy will only happen if you have the self-efficacy. And the interesting thing as well is once you've done it once as well, it increases your belief that you can do it again and again. So it feeds back into your self-efficacy as well. Okay. If you don't have self-efficacy and you set challenging goals, then you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, well, well, we've, I've definitely been there. How about you, Mark? What's your view on self-efficacy? And, and you know, well, for me, I mean, the definition is exactly as Heidi said. But for me, it's the innate ability to complete a task, the innate ability to have the belief in yourself that you can do that task. So, um, you know, high level is, you know, somebody has this innate, it's internal belief in themselves that they can achieve something. Um, a, a low rating is somebody who doesn't have that belief and the thing is it comes back down to your goal setting it depends on the task ahead um, if you set a goal that is easy to attain then you can say well I've got high self-efficacy but that's all relevant to the task in front of you so you know um, an, an example in my life is the first time I threw myself off a building I used to be a stuntman as you know um, you know, I had a very low self-efficacy that I could achieve this, but I was motivated by the fact that I couldn't let people down. I was being paid to do this. Um, there, there were many external factors why I, why I had to do it. Did I want to do it? Not really. Um, so I had to find some way innately into, I didn't have Hoddy next to me, whispering to me saying, you can do this. Um, and I, I threw myself off the building. Okay, um, because it was part of a film and it, and it was my job to do that. The next time I did it, my self-efficacy was raised. I knew I could do it. So what's interesting for me is relevancy. Low self-efficacy, how can somebody attain a higher self-efficacy? Is it just by doing it? Or is it something behind all that that, that, that that makes you 
raise this level of innate belief well, what, that you will be okay. What you've done there, Mark, is what a lot of people aren't able to do. And you, you know, you, despite having no, but it's it, 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 it's but, all I, I use it as a yeah, but it's something really, what I've I'm done, saying is, but it's it, still a goal that it, I it had is, to but do. But if if you only set easily achievable goals that's not going to develop yourself ever because you're quite right so it's yeah. uh, it's actually getting somebody to do what you did to, to set a goal that is quite challenging that will therefore increase so therefore bringing them outside of their comfort zone exactly so that they can live within their comfort zone with high self-efficacy yeah is that what yeah. you're saying yeah throw them in the cold water so that yes so something needs the to deep happen end. yes yes to, to to have the support and encouragement or whatever internal mechanisms happen with you and for other mm. people to actually you know to do something that is outside of your comfort zone therefore that will impact and increase your self-efficacy but yeah. yes most people won't do that without the right support without the right so exactly yeah. so yeah i was just going to draw on this actually so obviously for, for people listening to this that perhaps have goals that they've set themselves and they perhaps are not setting goals high enough for actually what they can achieve in their life due to fear, which I think we should discuss in, in, in a moment. But, you know, what the question I have to both of you is, if you're going to set a goal which you don't believe you can achieve, but you want to achieve it anyway, what do you need that's going to help you to do that? So one example well, would be I, 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 support well, from I, a coach. I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to go into that, Gary, and I just want you to explain what you mean. So you're saying about achieving a goal yep. that you know you can't achieve, yep. but you want to anyway. Yep. I don't believe, in yep. my opinion, that that goal should be set. Okay, I agree. So yeah. I, I disagree. Actually, I disagree with both of you there because if I because you know, because well, I, well, I'll explain why. Please, because yeah. because in my life, um, ten years ago, I mean, obviously, I had a car accident. My life's very different now to what it was then. I, I set myself goals which I have achieved, which I didn't think I could achieve, but. Um, I worked towards them. So I had this overall, that's what I want to go and do. Can I achieve it? You know what? I don't know. I honestly don't know. But you know what? I'm going to go and have a go. And the self-efficacy that you two are discussing, that's come along the way. Because I'm like, well, I'm going to have a go. And I've got out of my comfort zone and I've developed myself along the way. Do I believe I can achieve it now? Hell yes. But I didn't at the time. Well, I, I would suggest, and you know, Hoddy, I'm interested in your views on this. This is very interesting. I would suggest, Gary, that the goal that you thought you couldn't achieve and you've now achieved it, actually, you were probably halfway there already. Internally and, 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 and innately, you had the skill set and the background, whatever that is, to know somewhere that actually it was an achievable goal. For you to say that you set a goal 10 years ago yep. out of adversity, yep. um, and you've achieved it, I would suggest that actually you had the equipment to try and achieve that well, i would yeah i i wouldn't say it was completely out of the bounds well, of, of possibility that you have achieved the goals you set well actually at the time i would disagree and say yes it was and okay. the, and what okay. was holding me back which is perhaps a segue here is fear so i believe i didn't believe i had aspirations of what i wanted to do in my life but i didn't believe i could do it and and the thing that stopped me from even visualizing it so if anyone listening cannot they want to do something but they can't imagine themselves doing it Something that held me back was fear, and I didn't even know it was fear. And actually, the reason why I came to this realization is because on my training courses, when I take people into situations where you know they, they have to, they want to go and approach a girl, and they can't even imagine themselves doing it. Okay, there's a girl they want to speak to, and they can't imagine doing it. Fear gets in the way. And I asked them a very simple question, and when I developed this question, Holly can probably explain or Mark as well on a psychological reason why it works. I just asked them, okay. 
if you could imagine, so I'll say, could you imagine doing it? They say, no. Okay, could, if you could imagine yourself doing it, what would it look like? And when I ask people that question, it allows them to look past, round the side, or through their fear. As soon as they can see themselves doing it, that fear diminishes. And that specific question, now I say to myself, if I can't see myself, but if I could, what would it look like? That allows me to see through fears and to have belief that I can achieve goals. And for me personally, that was a massive um, development in my ability to set even more difficult goals and get out of my comfort zone more. So I don't know if, Holly, you had some kind of... No, I mean, it's a, it's a classic this. NLP question, that one, isn't it? It's, um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if it works if it works for you, then fair enough. Okay, so you, you obviously don't think it does. So, um, come on, no, let's, I, let's, I delve, let's delve into this. I just think that sometimes that will work for people. It might uh, encourage that lateral thinking. Sometimes it, it doesn't, really. I think, for me, it comes down to more the point of, you know, do, do you want this goal or do you have to have this goal? It's the language you use as well. Okay. You know, I want this because initially you were unclear. You said a goal you don't really want to do. No, no, I I, no, it's a goal. no, no, no. Okay, um, no, it's a goal I wanted to do, but I, I didn't have the belief I okay, could achieve Okay, but it. it's the story you tell yourself about, well, what, what will that goal mean, actually? Yep. You know, and it, I think sometimes people have a goal that they have to do yep. rather than the goal they want but that's, to do. That, that wasn't, no, that's not, that is not my point. So let this be very specific over here because obviously your opinion is very different to mine. I think... We need to um, well, we discuss it. Yeah. yeah, well, from what you've just said, it's <laughs> yeah. different to my, my perspective. Well, no, so, 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 so let's talk about a very specific goal. Yeah. Okay, so very specific goal is there's a girl over there that I want to go and speak to. Yeah. In my mind, I can't even imagine myself doing it. Mm-hmm. When I'm able to ask someone a question, if you could imagine yourself, in my experience, that allows people to look past that fear and imagine themselves doing it. Once they can see themselves doing it, the fear diminishes and they're able to attain that goal. I've taken that strategy from short term, that mm-hmm. specific example, and I've implemented that across the rest of my life and found it to be very powerful. Uh, what's your thoughts on that specific strategy? Because when I that first- That specific question, you mean? Yeah, that, or that strategy of, of being able to look past a fear to imagine yourself doing it, because it was it's fear that gets in the way of even seeing But, but you're, you're assuming something. that that, that question um, encompasses that strategy for every person? No, so no, I was speaking for me from personally. From your own experience? For my own experiences, okay. yeah. But I said, if that works for you, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I was asking you what would be because obviously yeah obviously you're in disagreement that that would work for the vast majority of people. No, I just say that if you ask someone that question, sometimes it might encourage lateral thinking. They might come up with a response, but well, I can't imagine it. Well, what if you could? Um, doesn't always work for. So for how would so how would a number be... of people that I've used that question in my early NLP days. So okay. I would say if somebody can't visualise themselves going through a different sense, going through feeling, going through kind of auditory, yep. you know. So if you can't see yourself doing the goal can you feel yourself doing that goal can you feel the sensation of, of doing that yeah so you you I mean okay you're obviously I'm more visual than than feeling and obviously other people are as well but that's still you still down an NLP route here if you're um, going to change the senses that's still an NLP technique and uh, no, the question you use was a very, was a very specific NLP yeah and, and, and okay, but the so, idea of going through senses predates NLP yeah, yeah, I agree with you. That's why yeah. when you said it's an NLP technique, I was a little surprised because the question was the question. The question what was around you, before NLP, could? though. Surely that that question is yeah. a classic NLP text, but it question. was still around before NLP training. NLP put their their frame around that term and claimed it doesn't mean it's theirs. I mean that's not. Well, I disagree. <laughs> okay, so yeah. for my point, going back to my point on this, so in your experience, yes. specifically your experience, yeah. if you cannot see yourself achieving something that you want to achieve yeah for you personally how would you go about 
mentally being able to see that because in my experience if you cannot see something if you cannot imagine it or feel it using the different senses mm -hmm. because of a fear in the way how would you go around i would reduce the fear rather than asking a question that wouldn't always work for me or for other people okay so i would manage that fear by using the arousal control and so let's let's, let's play this out so yeah. for example there's a girl over there that you want to go and speak to mm -hmm. and there's someone who's extremely fearful of doing that how mm -hmm. are you going to diminish their fear in that moment i'm going to use the somatic and cognitive um, techniques that i would use with anybody okay. so i would i would do diaphragmatic breathing i would okay. remind them of the things that they've achieved before in the past okay. and i'd i'd ask them to consider the idea that if they can if they've achieved that in the past then they can achieve this goal they're about to do now so so what so what you're saying is that the way that i went about it was one specific tool of an arsenal of different ways but what everything is there's yeah. always lots of ways of coming over so specifically what you're saying i think potentially on the same page that you have to have some kind of tool at your disposal whether it's diaphragmatic breathing or whether it's asking question to be able to see past diminish the fear but basically be able to see past it, whether that's diminishing the fear, looking around it, or whichever which way. Yes, you need to diminish the fear, but my, my disagreement was that uh, if you can't see something, yeah. asking a question that encourages you to see that yeah. isn't always going to work. No, Whereas okay. diminishing the fear yeah. might allow you to be able to see more cl clearly, to yeah, widen yeah. okay. your attention of so fields, to be able to consider more alternatives. Yeah, so the strategy that, that I use and the strategies that you're suggesting are both based on either diminishing that fear mm -hmm. or being able to see, feel, or get past that sensation where you're at at the moment. to Because um, I'm trying to delve down yeah, into the exact, ex um, exactly what you're trying to say, because I'm not quite there. Okay. If you could, is there an analogy you could give me, or is there... Not, not, not I mean, it's, it's more... It was the idea that if you can't see something, yeah. trying to trying to force a way of doing that isn't always going to work for everybody. So yeah. for me, I would I would focus personally on diminishing the fear okay. rather than trying to encourage somebody to visualize something that, that they're struggling to visualize. Yeah. And, and by asking that NLP type question, yeah. um, that may or may not allow them to be able to then visualize it. From my experience okay. as a practitioner, it, it generally wouldn't. Yeah, so my experiences to yours are very different because that, that question for me is one of the, the backup things that, that I've never had not work. So I guess mm -hmm. it's one of these situations where I'm now having this discussion with you. If it doesn't work at some point in the future, I would potentially try more ideas such as diaphragmatic breathing mm -hmm. or a different way of solving the same issue. It's just that that typically was always my go-to way. Yeah. And I guess because I'm very visual, for me, if I can't see something, it's very difficult for me to even like embrace it properly. Mm -hmm. Mark, what's your what's your views on this? I mean, there's a couple of different di different things here from fear getting in the way of achieving your goal, and also um, how you eradicate or diminish that fear. Okay, well, fear is something that I have to come across a, a lot in in my work. Um, you know, people don't do things because they're frightened of doing it. It can be something simple like crossing a road. People can't leave their house because they have a, something going on and they have a fear. Um, well, let's talk about the visualization. I mean, I was listening to you and Hardy uh, with intent and I, uh, you know, understand both of you and I understand very much from Hoddy's point of view, but I hear what your technique. For me, Gary, you can't visualize something if you've never done something. If I said to you, can you imagine living on Mars and getting married to an alien? Well, you can imagine it, you yeah. can visualize it, but you have no idea because it's something that's not, you know, within your sphere of thought or your creativity, your consciousness. Um, so, you know, a guy going up, can you imagine yourself talking to that girl? Um, no, I can't. He can't. 
that you might be able to, but he or she, you know, I, 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 I disagree with. I that, can't though. do that because yeah. he's never. I agree with you, Mark. That's he's what never I'm been. Yeah. He has no yeah. concept yeah. of it. Yeah, and my, 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 I, I disagree with that. I mean, there's there's the study of the basketball team where 20 people practice for 20 hours and 20 people visualize themselves doing it, and after that time, they both had the same results. Now, now you're going back to what I I wanted to talk about. Diminishing fear comes with repetition. Diminishing fear comes with small incremental steps. So for instance, in your analogy, Gary, what I would do if he couldn't visualize it and not everybody can do what you can. You know, one of the reasons you are Gary Gunn is because you are Gary Gunn. You have something that a lot of people don't have, as Hardy has, as I have. You can't put that across everybody in the world. We all have different ways of coping with things. But I would, I would, uh, probably ask that man to have a series of questions that he thinks he should ask that girl to a member of the family who's a woman. So he asks the questions to a woman he feels comfortable with. Suddenly the fear of actually talking to a woman in a different way is the fear of it is diminished and, and build him or her up to the actual act. Um, let's take presentation in the top five fears in the world public speaking is up up there with sharks and spiders mm. right um, we're talking about anxiety we're talking about fear one of the ways I try and get my people to have that confidence self-efficacy in front of an audience is by making them practice making them start off with two people who they know doing that presentation or saying words in front of two people they know. Take one of those person, people away, putting a stranger in there. Suddenly there's two strangers, suddenly there's 10 strangers. Three, four, five times down the road, you the fear, I wouldn't say is gone, but that fear has been diminished. Yeah. It's practicing, it's repetition, and being able to look the fear in the eye. So, but with that basketball yeah. study you were saying, Gary, that just yeah. proves visualization works. I'm not saying visualization doesn't work, but what I'm saying, the very specific thing, if you've got a group of people saying, I cannot visualize that, yeah. I cannot do yeah. that, they weren't asked that specific question, well, what if you could yeah, do yeah. that? No, but no, that, that wasn't to your oh, point. Sorry, that was to that mark was to mark but interestingly Gary. enough, so I, I want to delve into this because it's super interesting. So from what you've just said, Mark, I, I take on board that you think that you break it down and you start off step by step. So you make it very easy. It's a minimum viable way of doing it to make it very easy easy and then you build people up along the way is that what you uh, yeah I mean what I'm trying to say is fear is a concept fear is a concept it physically manifests itself okay okay but it is a concept so and at the end yeah. of the day if you approach that concept yeah uh, if you know your fear and then incrementally work towards the beast to look the beast in the eye slowly but surely with 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 practice bit by bit by bit that fear will go. Okay, so what about again? That's backed up by science as well. Yeah, Mark, so sorry, systematic desensitization. That's well, you're, yeah. you're creating pretty, a hierarchy of fear. Well, yeah, thank you, Hardy. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't have known that. But yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, learning how to swim. I mean, an adult learning how to swim. You are not going to throw. You are not going to go you jumping in the deep. You? you are yeah. going to put yeah. a toe in the water. Yeah. Hence the phrase. Yeah. So the question, yeah. I, the question I got for both of you, because it seems like, I mean, you may not think it, but we're actually in agreement here because the situation I was discussing earlier, I break down the situation of approaching someone into in incremental steps. So perhaps the way I was vocalizing it was incorrect. So initially I break it down to what's the very first step that you would need to make. And that would be to either think about doing it or to walk towards someone. So I break it down into the smallest possible thing. Question I've got for you guys is what happens if someone, you break it down as much as possible and someone still can't do that very first step. How do you handle that situation? 
you need to make the steps as simple as possible. Don't but you? if you if you've done that and it's very very simple, well, the and someone can't take it. They haven't been broken down simple enough. Okay, yet. so you would break it down even further yeah. to a, to the minimum possible way of doing yeah. something, and then you would, as they do something, would you condition them via a reward or system by saying by potentially. Um, rewarding them for each step that they take. Personally, I wouldn't because there's problems with rewarding people. Okay. But I think, you know, your belief will increase each time you, you go up that sort of hierarchy. Okay. Um, and, you know, visualizing yourself doing something, first of all, rather than actually doing the thing is a starting point as it's well. A first so, step. so even if you can't take the first step, yep. visualize yourself taking the first step. Yep. And okay. maybe you can do that. You know, if you can't visualize yourself taking that tiny first step, then the tiny first step isn't it's tiny too enough. Big. Okay, so that makes sense. So again, I think the agreement here is that if you are going to set goals, you and it's out of your comfort zone, even if you think you can achieve it, you should break it down to the minimal possible starting way and start to generate um, belief that you can do it. So say, for example, giving a gym analogy, rather than saying I'm going to go for an hour a day, you just say, I'm just going to go and run for five minutes today. Mm-hmm. And then you wake up and you feel good that you've done it. And then the next day you would then follow the same strategy. Yeah. Is that you in agreement on that as well, Mark? Yes, absolutely. I mean, there, okay. there, there, there's the beginning of your goals. I mean, you do five minutes a day, three days a week, done. Next week, you tick them off. Next day, next week, you do 10 minutes a day, three times a week. Okay. And you just keep moving, absolutely. moving forward. And all okay. the times behind the scenes, your self-efficacy is growing. Yeah, and, absolutely, because yeah. you've ticked your boxes and you, and you are achieving it. So the opposite of this is, I guess, the way a lot of people go about goal setting, which is they, they, they jump in too fast and they either go and train at the gym and they hurt themselves and they well, can't because train because they've not two. Because the whole point, they've not set their goals in the right way. Perfect. They've not thought yeah. about it. They, 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 yeah. they, they've not honestly giving it intellectual thought okay this mm-hmm. uh, I think we're all in agreement True. here about setting up smaller steps as a way of building self-efficacy and also building confidence that you can you can continue with it okay what about the the idea and the concept which is heavily spoken about in a lot of the American literature about having goals in various different areas of your life so emotionally spiritually physically financially friends you know all the different areas Hoddy what's your perspective on this okay well I think Again, going back to what I mentioned at the start, the whole dark side of goal setting thing, I think if you are investing your entire self-worth in one particular area, then that is not particularly helpful because something could come along often outside of your control and disrupt that goal and then you feel like you have nothing. So making sure you get your self-worth from a number of different areas in your life is actually pretty helpful. So to me, that that makes sense. It's a way of spreading your self-worth um, I think I'm always torn with this goal setting thing with success Gary to be honest with you because it's this whole idea that if you want something you're single minded you become obsessed you put everything into that and that's great if you have high self efficacy and that's great if it works but actually if it doesn't and you fall apart then your whole self image your whole story falls apart as well so investing your self worth in a number of areas recognising that you are not entirely defined by your goal is quite helpful So, but in your experience as a psychologist how many people actually do that? Do most people say, I'm just yeah, going to do no, this I think, one thing? I think or if a lot you're looking at emotional well-being, yeah. I think it's important to have other interests outside. I mean, as sports psychologists, you know, you, you encourage, or psychologists generally, you encourage people to have other interests outside of their sorry, goal, but yeah. to recognise they're not defined by their goal. Sorry, my, my question, sorry, maybe my question wasn't right. Do you find that people generally that you see generally would set goals in multiple areas or are they more likely to have one thing that they put their self-worth on just have you noticed a trend with i think people? it makes sense to to set one particular goal to not get overwhelmed but just not to 
to need that goal okay. to complete you. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So would you say like having a parameter in place of, of a higher highest possible achievement within that parameter would be a good way of doing it? Sorry. So say, for example, say, you know, you could set a goal of saying, you know, I want to earn a million pounds this year mm -hmm. uh, when you're only earning, say, 20,000 pounds. A more attainable goal would be I want to earn £30,000. So you put a boundary in at the top to mm -hmm. stop all of your self-worth being applicable to something that would only be available at the end of that year. Yeah, well, it makes it goes back to what Mark was saying about sort of smaller goals. I mean, my, my concern is more the fact that there is a danger with goal setting. The, the idea that if you invest all your self-worth into a particular goal, then the message the brain often gets is, I am not okay as I am. And it's this delicate balance, which is not an easy thing to find, yeah. of self-acceptance that I am okay whether I achieve that goal or not. I'm okay. doesn't need to affect my opinion of myself. doesn't need to define me. I'm not a failure if I don't achieve that goal, but equally wanting that goal. So I look at it as preferences. I would prefer to achieve that goal, but if I don't, I'm still okay. So interesting, because I know that you were a sportsman as well, Mark, when you were younger. So obviously our tuition and training from a young age is to have that one thing that you're going to go after. Mm. And actually what Hoddy's saying is so spot on because I, in my life, took that, you know, that definitive over one thing, I'm going to do this. And I put that onto my life. And as Hoddy's saying, I put all my self-worth on the attainment of that goal. And when things were going badly, my self-worth struggled massively which is why I ended up actually seeing I mean, Sorry to a classic yeah. example is when athletes retire Yeah 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 exactly. athletes invest all their self-worth and then they retire and the amount of them that struggle with depression and addictions and things because they feel like you know the whole part of them is missing 100% I was going to ask Mark how how did you manage that when you went from the professional sports world into the rest of your life I mean because as a sportsman, you are taught that. You're taught to have that one goal, get rid of everything because there's a lot of money involved in sports as well. You, you know, people are relying on you. You're worth finances as well. How did you get away from that and become more balanced in the way that you look at the world? Well, I don't know if I ever got away from it. I'm not even sure that when I stand and talk to CEOs in Germany, for instance, I'm not just being the guy 30 years ago about to go in front of 50,000 people. Um, what I was able to do, and again, th this was me, I was able to transfer the skill set, transfer the, 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 my behaviours, my actions, my motivation from one product, which happened to be sport, and put that same energy um, you know, in, into another product, which is corporate soft skills or behaviour and whatever. Um, so I'm not sure whether I left it behind. Um, you know, I talk with that same passion as I did when I was captain of a few teams. Mm. But your self-worth is not based on that one specific area. Of no, I, I, no, but I, I will hold my hands up. I have been guilty um, of putting my self-worth onto one particular goal yeah, at the right. detriment of other people. And I just want to sort of bring this back down um, to what we were talking about earlier, but it, it relates to what you've just asked me, Gary. You know, um, I think you also need to understand goal setting in terms of personal goal setting and professional goal setting. They are different. And the other two things we need to split it into is individual goal setting and team goal setting. Now, if you take the umbrella word of a personal goal, okay, your own personal goal, which we're talking about getting fit, um, making a million pounds, and these are your personal goals. Is it a personal goal? Or do the effect of you attaining those goals affect your team? And your team is your wife, your husband, your family, your parents. 
In other words, you're, you attaining these goals has an effect. It's causality. Yeah. So you're. So yeah. actually, is it a personal, individual goal-setting maneuver, or are you doing it for a team? And team goal-setting and personal goal-setting, individual goal-setting are different, in my opinion. And the other thing that has not been mentioned here today is that both on individual goal setting and team goal setting, the one key element that we must have is what is commonly known as feedback. You need to have a third party give you to at least acknowledge that you have set, you have achieved that goal and for them to say well done or you haven't done enough. Feedback and somebody else, it could be your wife, your husband, your kid, going through the goals with you, I think is an essential part of attainment. So just- to the that, That's where, both professional the, and personal. To the point where you can't achieve it without that feedback or what? I, no, I'm not suggesting there are people who can achieve goals mm -hmm. without anybody knowing what those goals are, but not many of us. Can I, yeah. I don't know about you, but we're human beings yeah. and we all need acknowledgement sometimes. C can I do and it? That makes the process easier is, or more comfortable? motivation. Okay, yeah. It comes back down to motivation, especially if that goal setting is part of a team environment. Okay. So if you easy. want to make a million pounds, mm -hmm. it's not just for you. So it's easier it's for to, your wife so as well. So when your wife to says to you- yourself when you have the support of the- Feedback, mm -hmm. feedback, plenary, discussions. Um, criticism is also mm -hmm. a very important part, perhaps at a corporate level, to achieving goals. When a CEO, okay, has to make figures balance at the end of a year, okay? He has to take criticism from his board members. Now that in itself helps him, his feedback helps him achieve the goal of making, you know, X million pounds gross profit per annum. Mm -hmm. He cannot achieve that just sitting in his office all day long without talking to anybody. So is it, so you're saying that the feedback provides encouragement and motivation or the feedback provides measurable, tangible indicators that you're on track or both? Both. Okay. Absolutely correct. Okay. Absolutely correct. You are being measured by a third party. Okay. Did you do that today? Yes, I did. Well done. So the accountability right. to it. And that well done, yeah. that measurement, mm -hmm. the accountability has been acknowledged and that in itself drives you forward okay. is, to is, achieve the next one because yeah. that's the reward, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because it's not about, I, I hear what you say about reward and I, I'm all about risk and reward in my world mm -hmm. and I understand rewards can be dangerous but somebody patting you on the back who is a member of your team doesn't get well, better Well, I than think that. it depends on the type of rewards. What I'm saying is rewards can potentially undermine your intrinsic motivation, but that kind of reward, recognition, encouragement, that that's different. What I'm saying is, you know, if you reward, if I say to you, Mark, I'm, I'm going to give you £100 to do this thing, the first thing you're going to think is it's not going to be a very enjoyable thing. Totally agree. So it, I, I've written an article yeah, on that. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with yeah. you, stronger than you believe. Um, but a pat on the back, and by somebody yeah. within your team. Yeah. Now, when I say team, doesn't mean your your department at work. It can be your mum. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's all that's needed sometimes. Yeah, yeah I completely agree with that. Yeah. Does this, I mean, Holly, does this link into some kind of leverage on yourself as well to, in the attainment of goals? Is this linked in with that? 
I'm, I don't use the, tell me your, your um, so the term of leverage, leverage is just make, just not, say similar to yeah. accountability basically okay. so, so you're making yourself accountable to achieve a goal I hate this term I, a lot I, leverage in coaching well it's, it's a very and I would say I, I just, would not use the word make yourself accountable sorry, just, that's too much pressure okay. When yeah, you're, so, when so you're I'll, sending so I'll, I'll simplify what I'm saying. It's an American term which is used. I listen to a lot of American podcasts mm. where they talk about having leverage mm. on yourself. So the example being, you 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 know, for, you, you want to go and run a marathon, which is great. But if you are then setting up a charity where people are donating money for you to finish that marathon, it's believed that you're more likely to be able to do that because you're accountable okay. to people for that. But my my question is, was well, that's that incentive? But was that linking? Yeah, that's you call not, it. You call it incentive. It's to, it's semantic. Yeah, but that's an external influence. Yeah, but what I was saying is similarly to the way that you guys were discussing getting positive reinforcement from a friend or family member, is that a similar way of going about it, where you're more likely, in your experience, to achieve a goal if you have some kind of whichever the term you want to use, accountability, leverage, whichever, well, whichever which way. Well, before Holly oh, no. answers, I just yeah. want to I just want to sort of frame what, what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, again, I, maybe I didn't explain it really. What I'm trying to say is when we're talking about goal setting, and very often people think about individual goal setting, and I want to get fit, I want to go to the gym, I need to hit these goals because I want to lose weight. Going right back to your first analogy. Yeah. At the end of the day, who are you getting fit for? Of course yourself, but you also have other people. There has an effect on people, and those people are your team. So being accountable to the team is not really what we're saying about. No, no, I wasn't, it, I wasldn't but, saying but that. But therefore, yeah. my question or my open thing, is it an individual, if you actually talk about this, is it an individual goal or actually is it a well, team I goal? I think it will have an impact on the people around you, but I suppose the challenge comes if your what you want is maybe slightly different from what those people around you want. Um, so if, for example, but, you know, but, but, but for positive benefit, the people around you will benefit from you achieving these goals. They will benefit from you. Yes. Say, say if, if I I want to lose weight because my wife is telling me I should lose weight whereas really I don't really want to lose weight that much no so okay. you're saying the goal uh, yeah so yes now we're back down to well having been forced to do it yeah that's not what I'm saying okay. I'm just saying that you know I want to really get that job I need to uh, get a study a bit harder to get that job because that's for me and I'd be proud and whatever but that will help my wife and children have a better life sure so it It, it becomes a team goal yeah Yeah, but that's that's not necessarily true though because for example that time that you give to exercise could potentially be time that you would have been spending with your family so that's actually a more difficult thing to organize yeah but that's where team goal setting you have you are being given um, permission blessing permission is not the right word blessing from your other team members to go out and achieve that goal and that's where the feedback yeah. comes in. Do you know what I think we should we should do actually? Because I think team goal setting, I think you're absolutely right. I think that in itself is probably a whole podcast because it's so intrinsically difficult to, to negate that. So I think if we if we just draw our attention on specific, just goal setting for the individual, just, just for the sake of, of this episode, um, I wanted to, to discuss something which, which I do, which had a profound impact on my life, which talking is related to what you guys were saying. So once a week, I take the time to go and do a list of achievements of things that I, I've done that week. And as a kind of positive reinforcement, whichever the terminology is, and I sit down and I think about what have I done this week? But this is a form of goal setting, looking back, actually, as opposed to looking forward. What have I done that's worked? What have I enjoyed? And I'll think about it and I'll have time to actually feel good about what I've done. And just by doing that, what I found is week to week, without actually perhaps even setting myself any goals, I find myself, because I'm associating positive feelings towards doing them, that as the weeks roll by, 
there's more things on that list every week. And actually when I started, perhaps there's 10 things, went up to 12, 14, 16. What's your view on, on well, that kind that, of- That's not so much in my opinion related to goal setting, that is the number one source of self-efficacy. So it, what it does is it increases your belief that you can achieve things in the future. So it feeds into goal setting, yep. um, but it's not so much a motivational tool, it's more a case of a, um, a belief that you can achieve further things in the future. So yeah, when, you, when you set any goal, you have two things. You have the motivation required to keep that going yep. and the self-efficacy to believe that you can do it. So actually that- And you're working yeah. more on the former. So what you said Latin, completely sorry. makes sense. So you, we're all in agreement that self-efficacy is super important towards the attainment of goals. And you so just actually, the number one source there. So actually, yeah. So for example, for people listening to this is, I mean, that's the way that I do it to, to obviously, as you're saying, that grows my self-efficacy. Is there any other ways that you could go about doing it without need of anyone else? Because when I decided to do it, I didn't want to be reliant on anyone else. I wanted to do what I was proud of myself for, for achieving that week. So a list of achievements I found daily was too often, monthly wasn't With enough. a goal of what, Gary? So the um, question is other ways people can do what? So say for example, um, you are, <coughs> say, say you have, like you were saying, multiple goals in your mm -hmm. life. So you have, you know, five or six goals related to family and all these things. You get to the end of the week and you, you, you go, what have I done this week that I'm proud of or that, you know, I, I've done well? And I, is the goal to experience a sense of pride? What, what is the end goal as a result of going through? Oh, okay. Yeah, so is it's it a good to point. Give actually. You more, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Well, as but for, for you, you were saying that is the one way to build self-efficacy. It's not the one way. There's yeah. six, seven sources. It's the most prominent. That's way, what yes. I was going to ask yeah. you. What are the other ways that you can build self-efficacy? That was you the, want the, the textbook ways and the ways for your the way. I want your ways. Well, I don't my ways are the textbook ways because okay. you know that that you know self-efficacy is not just a, a theoretical concept; it's okay. a practical concept but that works as well. Yeah, it? but for you personally, because we can we can quote textbooks, but te for you personally, for me personally, I do the same as you. Okay, so I, you I know do a, most people tend to do that because it is the most powerful source of self-efficacy. So I was never aware of this actually. Things so you actually do that as well. Performances, absolutely. That's and do something. do you visualize them or write them out or how Both. do you? Really? Okay. Yeah. And how, how often do you do that? Um, probably not as often as I should do. Um, yeah, but I, I, um, every, every few months or so, I guess. Okay. I, I sometimes feel the need to do it a bit yeah, more. Yeah. I feel like there's a need to do it. And sometimes I don't always allow myself as much time as I feel you I should. could benefit from, from doing that. So, yeah. But that's, that's, that's it. it's interesting that, that you do that. I also think that, you know, doing it every week, unless you really want to do it, I don't think there's necessarily a need. For me, it works well. Have you do, you, do you do something similar, Mark, or have you done something similar? Because it's interesting that you do that. I, I didn't know, I mean, I, this is the first time I've really shared that I do that well, with anyone. Well, first of all, I'd like you just to go through exactly what you do. What exactly are so you? So say, for example, like, um, Friday afternoons normally when I do it. So I would look at my week, I'd look back and it'd be like, okay, I recorded um, a couple of podcasts. I did one with Hoddy, I did one with you two together. And I think, you know, I'm proud of myself for doing that. Um, I never go negative. So I think, okay, I did that right and I'm proud of myself for doing it. And often when I think about that, I think how I can do it better next time. So it's almost a bit of both. It's mm. the achieve, the proud of the achievement from what I've done mm. and then visualizing myself how I can do it better. Mm. It takes me about an hour, maybe an hour and a half mm. where I allow my thoughts to go. It can be anything like I went, to the, <laughs> I went running for 20 minutes. I felt tired, but you know mm. what? I didn't quit. Mm. I carried on going. I was tired, but you know what? I put my light on at, bed, at bedtime and I read more of the book I'm reading. Mm. So it's really anything where I've come against some kind of challenge or something I'm proud of. Mm. And So yeah. it's a question of you getting to a point of time and then looking back. Yeah, yeah. At, and at I what, find weekly. what you've done. Yeah, and but what's before worked. The, before the past happened, yeah. had you planned th that week? 
Uh, yes, yeah, of course. So, yeah. so you set your goals for that yeah. week, and then you sit down on the uh, Friday and yeah. look back and say, "I've ticked off those goals." Yeah, I mean, is that be, what you're saying? To be honest, I'm more, I'm a bit more fluid than that. I, I'm not really a huge fan of the shorter term and medium term goals. If I'm being honest, I have um, the way that my mind works for me personally. Is I have a vision of myself in the future, mm. which is the values that I would like to possess as, as mm. an individual. Um, the way that I would like to look at the world and I have that image in me. I study a lot and pick up a lot from other people as well. Mm. So on a week to week basis, no, I don't necessarily have, I'm doing this. This podcast was organized two days ago. Mm. Okay. If I'd have had a plan on this week, we wouldn't have done it. And but what that's you're not saying is tomorrow you will look back on I'll this back and on say, I created this. Absolutely. We had a great discussion yep. and you would have pride, pride yep. and Absolutely. other, yeah. other emotions yep that enable him to increase his self-efficacy. Yeah, yeah is that absolutely. What, is yeah. that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. Okay, well, to answer your question is, no, I don't do that. Okay. Yeah, interestingly <laughs> I don't do that. Okay. Um, not because, <laughs> no, but may, maybe I should. You know, we all learn. But I'm not one for looking backwards. Okay. Rightly or wrongly. So my day begins, my day ends. Uh, I have a fluid uh, sense to it. I know what I'm doing or I don't know what I'm doing because right. there are external factors that dictate your life um, and they get compounded uh, into history they are then part of my past the past enables me to move forward and think about tomorrow I don't look back at what I've done if somebody asks me and I, I look back in experience and my wisdom or, or, or my job I have to because that's who I am today but on a regular routine, mm -hmm. psychological, to improve my self-efficacy. No, I don't. So, no, so, so no, yeah, I don't. I wanted to delve into this. Interesting. So I was similar to you and I never looked backwards at what I did. And I, I realized that it's going back about six months ago, probably, that I was just living my life in the future. And I kept thinking I wanted more and more and more. And I just thought to myself, hang on a minute, I need to, I need a way of just slowing down and just stop being so, you know, goal driven or towards the future. I was like, if I'm not going to feel good about myself, because what I would do is I'd achieve something and then I'd feel good for about half a second, no matter how difficult that may be. Some of the things I've achieved in my life have been massive goals in my mind. When I've achieved them, half a second and I don't care anymore. And I was thinking, I don't want to live my life like this anymore. There has to be a way of on a weekly basis or whatever realm to feel good about myself because otherwise I'm not allowing myself to do it. So perhaps it's I block it in the moment. Is, is, honey, is this, well, is this what, natural? Well, the point I was gonna make actually, yeah. if, you, if you were feeling feeling supremely confident, then you probably wouldn't need to look at that list to feel that sense of agree, agree, agree. pride. Agree. So mm. actually, you know, the reason that maybe Mark doesn't do it, if Mark mm. feels confident and he feels he's on the right path, yeah. it normally gets to a point where it's when you have self-doubts or you get some feedback that you're not not happy where you are, yeah. that's when you stop and mm. take stock and maybe remind yourself of, you know, it, it's a tool that allows you to, to enhance your self-efficacy yeah. if your self-efficacy needs enhancing. Mm. And I, actually, I, you know, maybe in Mark's case and many other yeah. people's case it, maybe it doesn't do I, that. Yeah, I, 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 I was I was thinking on those terms actually yeah, yeah you know that, that uh, you know uh, I, I at this moment in my time it's got nothing to do with emotional well-being or, yeah. or financial well-being but I have a high self-efficacy yeah. because I'm in control of what I'm doing in other words very few external factors at the moment dictate to me what I can and cannot do now for me that gives me uh, freedom 
okay but th- th- this is something else yeah um, and the other thing that you mentioned is that I am different to you Gary because you mentioned I'm not interested in short and medium-term goals I'm looking at the the, the, the longer yeah. one I to perhaps my detriment maybe not but I have always worked on short very short-term really? goals yeah yeah now rightly or wrongly see what see my, my opinion on that is that the short-term stuff sorts itself out if you've got a long-term vision and that's that's the way that's that's me I always mm. look at yeah it's interesting isn't it so, well, you, so you're so you're not really much of a, a longer term st- strategy for, for goal setting Holly where, where do you sit on this are you more short term or because I'm blatantly long term there's no there's I'm no. I'm a bit of both I like structure I'm really very yeah. much, I'm very much structure yeah, so I, 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 I can I, see that yeah I don't, I don't like structure I want to get over there and how I get there that's the wanderlust of life but if I wake up and I'm like I've got these 50 things to do this week. I'm sorry, that doesn't work for me. But one of the other reasons I do the list of achievements, funny enough, is because it makes me want to do more every week. So independent of the self-efficacy, actually, when I look at that list, I think I want more to be on there. So it's, it's, not, in, it's not independent in a sense, because you okay. look at it and that would say, you say, I've achieved all this. Yeah. Therefore, I believe I can achieve future stuff as well. Okay. I mean, so, it's, so it will have an impact. Yeah, yeah, saying, yeah. Even if that, I'm not yeah. um, aware of it. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense as well. Um, okay, so where you, you, you sit in the middle, Hoddy, so you're more structured, right? Yes. So how would you, I mean, how do you go about goal setting in your life? That's a good question. How do I, go <laughs> I was going to throw it in at some point. <laughs> um, I, I, I have a longer term vision with okay. my personal business and um, with my other business I'm involved in as well. Um, but I very much have structured daily and weekly goals in order to kind of get me there and there will be certain milestones that i feel i need to reach in order to to get the feedback that i'm moving in the right direction so just so I, i'm yeah. very much i use uh, yes i'm um, happy calendar short, structure. yes yes so th- i was going to ask you something about that actually uh, it's a it's a psychological question mm. when you attain a goal yeah. do you allow yourself time to feel good in that moment when you've achieved it? Do you, is, is there some psychology that says the more that you allow yourself to feel good when you attain that, the more you embrace it in your body, the, the, the better you're going to feel about doing more or is that not true? Talking psychologically, not yeah. for me personally. Yeah, psychologically, okay. yeah. Well, again, it comes down to that expectation that we do things to make us happier. So, you know, if you do something, you complete it and it makes you happier, we move towards pleasure and away from pain. If we think, well, I did this, I achieved this, it made me happier, therefore I'm going to want to do more things. And if I have self-efficacy, maybe those more things can be more challenging and outside of my comfort zone. Yeah, so, the, the, so it's all about whether that result gets you feeling happy or not. Yeah, so my, my, sorry, my point was that when I attain my goals, I don't allow myself in that moment to feel good about it. I'm like on to the next because one. Because you're future focused. Yes. Absolutely. And when, yeah. since I've been looking back on, on weekly, I'm now allowing myself to feel good about these things, good. which historically I never did. Good. Yeah. Okay. So that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah but I, you see, I, w- I would say that the, you're doing that in hindsight. You see, yeah. I, I, so you feel I, good in the I, moment, hundred percent. Yeah, I don't. And it's an essential part that's of living was, your life. This is what I was going to ask you. I am very very strong so, on this so you yeah ex- this but is what i, was I think mark you you live in the present gary you live in the future well historically well, yeah but he also yeah. lives in the past now because he's looking well back that's to, an isolated to, event to, 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 to regain uh, I think whatever it is you get from the past that. in order to get those feelings well maybe i'm, that's I'm looking in, in that unfortunately moment. a lot of people do 
Yeah. Look back at the past. I'm not talking no, no, about I'm you. No, no, I'm looking at isolated Which I think time. holds them back. The yeah. past yeah. is the I, past. I agree, but I think noticing the past and then coming back mm. to the present is one thing. But a lot of people do live in the past, yeah. and certainly the present is so, where you want to be. So how, how, how does that play out, Mark? Well, it play, well, the same question to, to me as to you asked Holly, how does your personal life or whatever you're doing now, uh, you know... You know, I back up my point to you, Gary, that I live very much, or I set short-term goals. I have daily goals. And at the end of the day, have I achieved that goal? Yes, I have. Okay, tomorrow's goal is this. And it goes on a daily basis. I'm not saying I'm right. But when I've done something... Yeah. um, So you've just finished... I completely and utterly bask in my own sunlight. Really? Yes. So say, for example, you've just been hired to... That is a vital part of my... Your psychology. psychology or yeah, my, yeah, my happiness. Yeah, yeah. But that's a personal happiness. Yeah, and it's yeah. very often done in privacy. So say you've just finished writing someone's um, writing something for someone that you've put a lot of, well, as you do. Of course. When you've finished it. Yes. And you've sent it. Yes. That moment then, or is it when you get the feedback from the person? No. And what, so it's when you've done it and you've sent it. When I know yeah. I have done that yeah. and it's sent. The job's yeah. done. Payment is completed. Yep. I then read my own words for pleasure. Okay, and I'm assuming and that gives me pleasure. I'm assuming that because you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that it's an excellent job that you've done because you're a professional. Yes, that is when you allow yourself to feel that good because you've delivered some value or more value than what you've been paid to do. And how how do you, how does this work? Which comes right back down to what I said at the start: this idea of actually you can't control everything. You can't control whether you're going to achieve specific goals always. There's factors outside of your control. But what you can always do is do the best that you can and uh, put as much effort into it as you can, and allow yourself the private victory of, of feeling that. And do you allow yourself? like similarly to Mark does do you honestly do you allow yourself to do that Mark used the term bask okay I need to get on I need, I, no I need to get I, on I'll this. give you the phrase no, I need and to get on it this. is my copyright yeah I'm having I that. bask <laughs> in my own sunlight okay do you bask in your own sunlight private victories was the um, Covey's seven habits um, okay uh, but do you do, do you I, do I like that yours better well, that's the creative side <laughs> yeah. Yeah. honestly do you do that um, what do you think I don't know I'm asking okay. you okay well you've worked with me um, no, not as much as maybe I could do. And I'm thinking to myself, listening to this, that actually this is, for anyone listening to this, I feel like this is something where, you know, I, I work extremely hard, but allowing myself when I've delivered some good quality work or to allow myself the time to feel good. I've read this in a book. There's a happiness book where it talks about this, well, where you when you achieve something, you should allow yourself to embrace it yeah, your whole it, body but, and feel good but, about but, it. But, and to, but that, that's more savoring experiences. Yeah. That's more where that's slightly different. That's okay. more when you're feeling any emotion to immerse yourself, to savor in that moment, to allow that experience. Yeah, yeah. But that, that, that's a positive, any positive sensory experience rather than to do with a company. You can use that. For example, if I deliver something or anyone listening to this delivers something good and they've got that slight feeling of good, they can you, illuminate you that. You could savour it in that way for okay. positive which, accomplishment. Which is yes. what sounds which like what Mark's doing. But mine's, okay. in the, mine's in the moment. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not, yeah, yeah no, sure. What, what, what yeah. is important to remember is that that moment passes and that it then becomes the past. How long does that last And for therefore, you? your next setting yeah. or whatever you, it is... Yeah. Um, it has to be look you can't bask in the sunlight forever <laughs> for three years no, because, no, because, some people because do, the sun sets right <laughs> and the sun sets on, 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 on a good achievement very quickly sometimes it can last any, literally from five seconds to five days it okay. depends on the achievement yeah, yeah, it depends yeah. what you've got going on in your life okay and the value that you, you place on it exactly okay. and 
No, it, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. And, and yeah, going back to what you're yeah, saying, yeah. certainly from an emotional well-being point of view, there's this idea of savoring and, and actually, you know, a lot of people do maybe what I do more and don't allow themselves that, that basking moment. And as far as your emotional well-being is concerned and your happiness, if we all did what Mark did a little bit more often, then we tend to be more happy. But, but, but yeah, like yeah. everything, and, and I, I know Hoddy would agree with me, there's always a flip side to that because we're talking about when you believe you have delivered something good. And at the end of the day, it's only about what perception. you believe. Yeah. My own perception. Yeah. Now, the client or somebody else may not quite have that basking in the sunlight with me moment. I know what I've done. You've got to know that it was a, a, yeah, yeah, a, a, a something good. But the flip side of that, the flip side of that is when you deliver something that is not quite there. And yeah. we all have off days and we are we all do not necessarily perform to our highest level. You also have to bask in the darkness. Yeah, okay. And that is a very important tool as well to recognize. I don't know about basking in it, but I don't know. Living in it. Living in it. And I'm using the term bask because our listeners may relate to it. Okay. Right. I, to bask to me suggests to actually really absorb and feel and revel in Well, that feel the darkness uh, when you don't do something good. Yeah, I think having that feedback, but I don't know about basking, it was just semantics anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is semantics. <laughs> but the, the, you I, understand my, the I metaphor I do understand there. the message, yeah, the, exactly. The, the flip side is, is yeah. recognize that yeah. as well yeah. and that doesn't mean go down to another level but you know that again is another motivational technique if you recognize the sunlight you recognize the darkness with your achievements both you need those distinctions you need them yeah. both yeah. to motivate your you goals in the future yeah pain and pleasure but but exactly but it has to be in my opinion in the moment yeah okay you can't dwell yeah on the darkness or the sunlight yeah because you have to move on. So live you with must recognise it yeah. and revel. Embrace in both. Embra embrace this, in both. Yeah, yes. embrace. I mean, this this is definitely something I'm going to try. So I'm going to do a follow-up episode myself. Yeah, I'm going to do a follow-up episode myself talking about my experiences about what Mark is suggesting. I wanted to talk about one final thing before we wrap up um, today's episode. And it was something that we touched upon really early on, which Hoddy mentioned, which is that you know the the ten percent of hab of ten percent is linked. So you were saying that the you're better off setting goals for values or if you your expectation from setting your goal is that you will be happier as a result of achieving X Y Z, then your time would be better invested looking at how you spend your time and the attitudes through which you look at the world, yep. such as gratitude, optimism. Uh, so some of the things you we tell yourself about who you are, yeah. rather than goals focused around your circumstances. If the goals are all you, all the goals you set are around changing your circumstances, we know that actually changing your circumstances doesn't affect your happiness or enhance it as much as you think it might. Okay, so I'm just going to go with this because I think I, I think I've got this. So for example, then say you um, will go for the gym analogy because we've used it multiple times. Say you want to start going to the gym more. Rather than setting goals saying, I'm going to go this time, this time, this time, are you saying or alluding to that perhaps a better goal is how do I become the type of person that is naturally athletic? Exactly. 
Exactly. That's a better to type do with of goal. Self, and also, what kind of person will I become? If I, if I achieve this goal, uh, how, mm. how would a, a fitter, healthier me be? What would that story be like? How would that improve the lives of my mm. team, those around me? To look at the, mm. to recognize what qualities, what traits, what behaviors would I develop as a result of becoming this person? Okay. And are you, you're in. I completely concur with that. And it, it goes back about so you know, a, yeah. your team and your individual. It, it is about you, but who are you for somebody else once you've attained that goal? So, actually, <clears throat> it, it pushes us a bit further. Are we saying communally here that we should be looking at having, aspiring to having better values in, in ourselves? Or is, is that kind of what we're saying? Because I, I get, you know, if you develop, for example, your ambition in your life and you, you become more ambitious, you're more likely to attain the other smaller goals. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the term better values. It depends. You know, okay. so, yeah, how so, would you phrase so, this? So for me, what I would phrase it as, um, examine the way you think and look at the world and identify whether the lens through which you work, look at the world and the attitudes are helping you to be happier or not. How optimistic are you? How grateful are you? What is the story you tell yourself about who you are? How is your self-image, your self-esteem? If you spend time working on that area, you are more likely to be happier than if you invest your happiness in, I want to earn that amount, okay. I want to I want that car. That. And yes. yes. So, so for right. example, what's your, both of your views on role models, mentors? So say for example, that you know my view on the world is, I'm quite negative if that's a view and you meet a mentor who can help you to become more optimistic about life. What's your view on having someone that can help you on that journey? Well, I mean, you know, it's clear that I'm a big believer in mentors, coaching yep. and assistance as and when is required. I mean, uh, on our last podcast, uh, podcast, Gary, we talked about sharing, you know, being, be, being able just to talk. Um, you know, your mentor can be your mum. It can be your dad. You don't think of them as a mentor, but you know, being able to communicate um, what you want to be, where you want to go, can help. So, you know, if you have a negative view on the world, there is no harm whatsoever in trying to find somebody who has a positive outlook and just having a conversation with them. It doesn't have to be on a professional level. So, I, uh, you know, completely. Yeah. Uh, 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 I'm an advocate okay. of, of, of mentoring, coaching, consulting. I am. And what's your what's your perspective on this as well? I think you agree. Yeah, yeah. I think mentoring is, is very useful. You know, um, having somebody to support you through that process is very useful. Yeah. So it's so are we kind of again just globally having a view here that it's more about looking at the type of person you want to become and some of the qualities which you're lacking that you like to possess and then maybe finding other people that have them that can help you along the way to becoming that way. You, well, it's a word. The word, unfortunately, in today's world, uh, it's used differently, but um, you need to have people around you who influence you. Now, you and I have spoken about influence and I'm not talking about influencers. I'm talking about behavior. Influence is all about behavior and you need to have the right people or move in the right circles or get yourself into the right circles who will influence you. Going to the gym, you go to the gym not just to pick up weights, you are influenced by the people who go to the gym. Mm. You don't even know them, but they influence you, their behavior, yeah. the way they do it. Um, so, you know, that's an important part. Now, if you find that you're, you don't have the right influence, and of course you have to understand the word influence, um, then find a place where you can be influenced. Okay. 
Yeah, it makes in, sense. In a, in a positive well, way. Well, well my, my influences going back many years, were obviously you, you coached me and I've had therapy with Hoddy as well, but books were a lot of my influence. I would read people's books that have led successful lives and they would influence the, the way that I looked mm-hmm. at the world. And I would aspire to have the qualities that they possess. It's one of the reasons I'm a big fan of Greek mythology because the gods have their own attributes that I want to have in my life. So I can embrace yeah, those. I completely agree. But I think yeah. going back to what you were saying as well, it's this idea of what, what kind of person will I become if I achieve that goal, you know, what's what kind of and what impact will that have on the lives of those around me? That, that, yeah. So it's good to be inspired and influenced by others, but it's also important to say, okay, well, actually, what will happen to me through this process of achieving this goal? What qualities will I develop as a result of that? What qualities will I need to develop? What attitudes and qualities as a result of me moving yeah. towards that goal and achieving that goal? But yeah, very often, Hoddy, uh, there's a picture that somebody is living or past that has influenced you. You didn't know that person, but somewhere in your mind, you want to be like that person. You won't be like that person. Now, yeah. you're not. I'm not talking about imitating here, and I'm not talking about copying, but that person um, has influenced you. Yeah. And though that person's qualities, or that group of people's qualities, are something that you wish to, is yeah. a goal you wish to achieve. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I then go to you, say, you're absolutely right. If I am like that person, if I have those qualities, what does that make me? What, where then, what are those qualities? How can that relate to me mm-hmm. and the sphere of influence that I have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, what does that affect? Yeah. And, so and, and you know, um, influence, you know, I don't want to go into it, but influence is cause and effect. It yeah. goes all the way down, um, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is why, I mean, if you want to, um, you know, for me, my, my last words on a global thing about goal setting. Well, I was, I was just about to say this, actually, just to wrap this up. I was going to say, what's the one final point that you would like to make for the end of the podcast? One point each. Mark, you might, if you can start. Okay. From what we've discussed and something that yeah. you think is, and, you know. And actually, this is a, a, a vision. It's a very simple vision or it's a very simple analogy that I've been thinking about since we've come here. Uh, about goal setting and I would like to transfer goal setting into this analogy for me goal setting is just a journey okay there's a journey you have to undertake and there's a destination it's very simple your goals are the train stations that you come across along the way those are your your goals but you're going to a certain destination whatever it is for you the bits and pieces that we have discussed today, self-efficacy, motivation, inspiration, um, emotional well-being, this is the food that sustains you between the stations. So when you set your goals and you have an end destination, you need to be aware of what food, what sandwiches, what drink you need to sustain yourself along that journey whilst you stop at each station. So you hit the first goal, come to the first station of the journey, you need to take on board board some more food and water. What is that? If you understand my analogy here. So saying set goals, one, two, three, four, five, six, and I'm a millionaire, for me now, actually it's not quite as, that's too simplistic. But if we say it's a journey, of which we have to sustain ourselves throughout the journey to get to the destination, then I think that's maybe a, a, an easier way to look at it for your, 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 the people that we that, that need to set goals. Perfect, perfect. Nice analogy as well. 
Um, yeah, Hoddy, what's your... Very, very brief. I would say my advice would be to often look at goals as preferences rather than necessities and to not invest your entire self-worth in a goal. So make sure that you recognize you're okay just as you are, whether you have goals or not, you're okay just as you are and develop a number of interests and a number of areas of interest and derive your self-esteem, your good feelings about yourself from a number of areas rather than from just one area solely. And also consider actually your goal may not make you quite as happy as you think it might be and this idea that actually look at the lens through which you're looking at the world are you as optimistic are you as grateful is your self-image as, as strong and your self-esteem as it might be um, and consider consider attitudinal qualities moral values rather than telling yourself your story if i achieve this then i'll be eternally happy yeah spot on that's yeah, a nice one of thought um the piece i'd like to add is obviously you know we're uh, it's been quite a serious podcast we've obviously got our own views we've got areas in which we agree in but something i just we haven't discussed because we haven't really had time is that you know the working towards your goal should be fun and the analogy i give is that your goals are painted in black and white on a canvas and the fun can be adding color to it so when you do have goals question which i like to ask myself is how can i make this more fun how can i make this more engaging how can i make it more entertaining for me and since i've asked myself that question i just find myself enjoying the process of attaining my goals a little bit more but um interesting if anyone's got any questions um or actually because obviously we've got three different brains in the room there's an area that anyone would like us to reconvene and discuss uh i'm obviously well up for doing another podcast at some point so any questions obviously you guys can post on my youtube channel and uh thanks very much mark for coming today it's an absolute pleasure Gary always and thank you very much Holly you're welcome okay until next time